Good morning and welcome to another World Cup wrap-up here on the Top Order podcast. We got what we were asking for, a close match, an insta-classic in the World Cup as South Africa took on Pakistan overnight. The weather is frightful here in Auckland, but the cricket was delightful. All that, more analogies, comparisons to 90s video games, heaps more coming up on the Top Order podcast after I figure out how to push some buttons. Good. Yes, good morning, Raj. Not my best intro, but uh, we'll we'll struggle on this morning, this Saturday morning here in Auckland. It's about three degrees in my study in Auckland, so I've got the cable knit sweater on in preparation for rolling that out cricket today. Uh, look, it was another case of cricket impersonating early 90s video games overnight as the World Cup caught fire NBA Jam style. Uh, critics have been lamenting the lack of close games in this 50-over World Cup, uh, blaming the format, blaming the lack of cricket played in the in 50-over format. But we got a classic uh, South Africa-Pakistan overnight going right down to the wire. Yep, we, we, we did. Uh, speaking of classic, uh, for those of you tuning in on YouTube, uh, you'll be able to see Baldy's net akin to Grandma from Red Riding Hood. Uh, looking sharp, mate. Uh, it was. It was an incredible game. Uh, of cricket that just ebbed and flowed like one of those great test matches, uh, if you will. Uh, it really was in the balance from from ball one to the final ball where South Africa actually showed some good bottle at the end to win that game in a really tense uh, situation. Um, I have some interesting turning points that I wanted to, to sort of to talk about rather than going through the scorecard. I think that um, Pakistan did a great job uh, early on. South Africa did a great job to dismiss Rizwan and Baba who are the sort of mainstays in that Pakistan batting lineup that you want to uh, get sent back to the pavilion and when Baba was sent back at 141 for five that could have gone anywhere you know we've seen Pakistan uh, you know fall apart at times with the bat uh, they could have been all out for 200 but instead we had a great partnership from Sha- Sha- Shaquille and Shadab uh, to, to really push that score up over 200 and South Africa for, for their part, did a really good job to, to keep Pakistan down to 270 rather than 290 plus. Pakistan not batting out their overs. How important do you think that is for the for the end result in this game? Oh, hugely impactful. I mean, if you have a look at, at as you said, that partnership that was finally broken by Tabray Shamsi, Pakistan in the 39th or the 40th over were 225 for five and, and staring down the barrel of, you know, could they get somewhere close to 300? As it was, they then lost 45 for five and South Africa did a fantastic job in the last 10 overs of taking regular wickets and, and piling on that pressure. And as you say, Pakistan didn't bat out their overs, which was hugely impactful in terms of the outcome of this game. And I think they'll look back on it and have a look at how many starts they got. And if you do look at the scorecard, there's lots of starts in that top seven. But only two guys got to 50 and and none of them got past 60, which is the point of difference in those two teams. If you have a look at South Africa's innings, one guy stood tall, got a big score, and the rest of the team batted around him and got South Africa home. You mentioned uh, Shamsi there. Do you want to talk a little bit more about him and give him the props he deserves? I think we need to because as this tournament rolls on, we've seen Adam Zampa hit some form and he started to take a lot of wickets. He's become the leading wicket taker in the last couple of days. Now we're starting to see the spinners come to the fore a little little bit more. We're starting to see wrist spin become more important in the World Cup. So for South Africa, being able to have Maharaj and Shamsi play together um, at the expense of uh, Rabada in this particular case and for Shamsi to come in and take four important wickets I looked at his highlights this morning as I got up. 
He bowled really, really well. He got zip off the wicket. He was able to bowl the wrong end and put the ball across the right-hander really, really well. Uh, and he was able to extract turn and bounce. That partnership was was broken by a good catch uh, where the ball bounced and, and took the outside edge off a back foot cut shot. So uh, plenty of plenty to like from Tabre Shamsi and another string to an impressive-looking bow for South Africa going forward. So we've talked a little bit about you know scores and pitches during the sort of whole World Cup. Do you think that this is sort of the schematic going forward? I mean, so far we've seen you know big hundreds uh, by the top, top of the top of the orders, top of the innings, um, hundreds. Is this the schematic going forward? It's it's you know perhaps one big score and and everyone bat- batting around them to get around three hundred and three hundred is a possible winning score going forward. I hope so because I think that provides the most entertaining cricket for fifty over World Cups. Uh, we had a look at the twenty nineteen tournament. We thought that was going to be the tournament of you know four hundred scores, and it wasn't. Two fifty to two seventy was a gettable score, and it proved to be a winning score in a lot of occasions. So I I hope that uh, India can continue to produce good one day cricket wickets. And I thought this was a good one day cricket wicket, as you say. There was a little bit in it for everybody. Two seventy to three hundred, I think, is a great par score in an ODI because it means both sides are in the game the whole way through. And if you can bat well uh, you get one guy who who stays in as you say and then you get guys batting around him and you get a close finish at the end which I think a lot of the World Cup critics have been lamenting the lack of close finishes in this World Cup and we got one and we got an instant classic overnight we did we did and moving on to South Africa's innings uh, again very similar sort of schematic that we've looked at there there's heaps of bit part scores there plenty of 20s uh, there, but one that stands out above the rest, Aidan Makram. Uh, what did you make of the South African chase and the bowling effort to almost almost defend that two seventy score? Yeah, Pakistan are really missing Nasim Shah at the top of that um, at the top of that bowling lineup, aren't they? They're missing a guy who can swing the ball early doors and make uh, life uncomfortable for batters at both mm. ends. We haven't quite seen the best of uh, Shaheen Sharafridi in this World Cup, but he has been outstanding for them. Uh, he's just missing a, a sparring partner who can swing the ball at the other end. As it was, that we've seen plenty of Harris Ralph in the power play. Uh, he's not quite as adept at, at swinging the ball, uh, but he does bowl great wheels, and he took a fantastic catch overnight as well uh, off the off his own bowling. The thing to like here for South Africa and for South African fans is they got themselves into a close contest. They got themselves into a chase where they were eight down, nine down, and needed to show some real steel, some real metal. Uh, use the analogy what you what you like, but they were able to get the job done. And in years gone past, in tournaments gone past, uh, we might have seen a different result from South Africa. So for their fans, mm. I think this shows, as we thought it might, that the wheat is starting to get separated from the chaff here in this World Cup. And South Africa have really stood tall in this game to show us that they have got a bit of steel, a bit of metal, when the going gets tough for them. And that's been a real question mark hanging over them, even in this tournament. Yes, no, de- definitely. Uh, I mean, I'll talk about that shortly, just around sort of the Taipei personalities they've got. But a- Aiden Markram, uh, for me, was the the player of the match. I think he batted well uh, in partnerships to put South Africa in that position to win the game. His partnership, particularly with David Miller of around 70, I think it was, was mm-hmm. crucial. And also, you've got to give kudos to, to the likes of David Miller, who had the situational awareness to, to bat in a partnership, you know, bat time in a partnership and not try and send everything out of the stadium. Uh, it was crucial for them getting over over the line there. But just you mentioned there on, you know, past performances in, in, in South Africa. Previously, 
they've had the likes of uh, a Hashi Mamala or A.B. de Villiers, someone who uh, was an outstanding performer who they could bat around. Then sort of that made way for the likes of Faf, you know, the, the big sort of alpha Taipei personality standing at the at the top of the stairs with just a towel on, um, you know, that, that sort of person who owns the dressing room. I think Aiden Markram can be a hybrid of those two kinds of players. And I think we're starting to see it. Um, and it's interesting. I think that can flow on to all their cricket, white and, and, and red ball. But um, in this particular case, I think it, it, it stood, he stood up and everyone batted around him. And I can see him becoming that kind of cult figure for South Africa going forward. Absolutely. We're starting to see the emergence of some of these South African players mm. on, the, on the international stage, not as talented cricketers, because we all know that Klaassen and Miller and Janssen and uh, de Kock has been a, a tremendous performer for a long time, Russi van der Dussen. We know the talent that they have, but now what we're starting to see is we're starting to see some real um, application. We're starting to see some great teamwork from the South Africans. We're starting to see them work together to build something that's bigger than their individual talents combined. So that's the exciting thing for South African fans. And I think the cricket world needs to be on notice here that South Africa now at five and one, top of the table, albeit India have another game in hand, are really stamping their authority on this tournament. And they're becoming really, for me, one of the teams to beat. No, I completely agree. I think and this victory in particular is probably one that I'm more impressed by than, than their other victories in, in this World Cup. Um, Stu will be listening to this intently, I'm sure, uh, that I am turning a little bit to, to, to believe that South Africa do have uh, a real shot to win this if they can get to that that playoff stage if, because, they can, because they can win games like this, these close games where previously they may have faded, uh, just like they did in the Netherlands game where they faded mm-hmm. a little bit, not batting first, chasing, having a little bit of pressure. But um, this was a good win. This was this was very impressive from uh, South Africa. Uh, I can't I can't fault them that they they actually had some bottle to win this game at the end. It was very tense. Absolutely, and I think the thing that stands their bowling in good stead going forward is they left Rabada out of this game, mm-hmm. and they can bring him back in if conditions suit him. So the flexibility they've got in their attack with Janssen, with Ngidi, with Kutsia, with Maharaj, Rabada. Tabre Shamsi now performed well in this game. They've now got a bowling attack for all conditions and a batting lineup that shows that they can temper their natural desire to hit every ball out of the park for six. Uh, so they, they're becoming a very, very dangerous side. And it's becoming a case now of how do you contain these Indian and South African batting lineups going forward because they just look so dangerous. And finally, on um, Shadab Khan. So obviously, he was. <laughs> Uh, substituted out of this match with a with a concussion. It's a, it's a bit of a shame for him because this was probably a pitch that would have suited him for the first time that he's played on in, in the World Cup. It was breaking up a lot in that second innings. Uh, he probably would have played a very, very uh, dab hand, uh, if you will, to, towards the, the end of this match. Uh, how, how big a loss could he be if the pitches are straight, starting to break up and, and be a bit more friend-friendly for Pakistan? Yeah, huge, huge out for Pakistan if he's not able to come back quickly for concussion, and we hope that he does, because as we say, the longer this World Cup goes on, I think the more and more we're likely to see uh, quality risk spin play a part in team success. So if Pakistan are going to go forward in this World Cup, certainly without Naseem Shah in the lineup, they're going to need 
more and more contributions from those other guys around Harris Ralph and Shaheen Sharafridi to bring them home. So it could be a potentially very impactful out for Pakistan, and let's hope he recovers quite swiftly. Because now, for Pakistan, sitting at two and four, they started off well, two wins, and now they've lost four on the bounce, which means that they're in the chasing pack alongside Bangladesh, England, the Netherlands, Afghanistan, and Sri Lanka, all trying to chase down that fourth spot. Because I think at the moment, touch wood, South Africa, India, New Zealand look like they're in good positions. Let's not count our chickens yet, New Zealand fans. But they are looking good for the semifinals. Australia are on the cusp, and all of those sides are chasing with either three or four losses already in the tournament. So Pakistan have fallen back to the pack a little in this game, and they're going to need everybody to be firing, as well as uh, some vintage Baba Azam and, and Rizwan performances to get them. What do we think? Five five wins, six wins, Raj, is, is probably going to get them to that fourth spot? I think that six wins is probably going to get them to that, that, that <coughs> fourth spot. But um, depending on the results that we've seen, like all of a sudden Sri Lanka is in fifth spot uh, out of nowhere on the table. It really is a crazy table there. And every every win and every loss actually has a massive impact on, on the table. Mm. Um, speaking about that, uh, I would like to move on to the, the New Zealand-Australia game that, that is going to be on tonight unless there's anything Ooh. else you wanted to add on the the table mm. or the Pakistan game no I mean the, the only thing I'd probably add is Pakistan and, and England have already lost four games so the best they can do now is five and four so I think they're going to have to hope that losses go their way uh, the best thing for England and Pakistan is that New Zealand beat Australia tonight drop Australia to three losses and then uh, England have to beat Australia in their run home for them to be any chance so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that, that table plays out. But the best that Pakistan and England can hope for is to finish 5-4 and four and hope other results go their way. Speaking of which, a good opportunity for England and Pakistan is this Australia-New Zealand clash tonight. Yes. Uh, what, 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 what are you seeing as the, the, the big sort of points for that game? I'm looking at selection for Australia, talking about uh, Travis Head and Marcus Stoinis playing in, in this game tonight. Uh, what, what do you see as a, a big sort of team news update for Australia? Because I think that their balance going into this is going to be interesting. It certainly is. If Travis Head comes in, you would think he'd come in for Manus Labashain. Uh, and then it's the merry-go-round of the Cameron Green, Marcus Stoinis swap-in, swap-out situation that may continue to revolve as we go forward. I think we're getting a little bit more out of Marcus Stoinis with the ball at the moment. Unfortunately, Cameron Green's hit a bit of a patch uh, in terms of his form where he's not at the top of his game um, and he's not delivering for Australia in that lower order. So I think maybe... Marcus Stoinis, who has form against New Zealand, he burst onto the scene with that tremendous 100 that we saw at Eden Park all those years ago. So he's got some some form against New Zealand, albeit not recent. I think Australia will benefit from having Travis Head in the lineup. He gives them an extra bowling option, uh, particularly around spin if we want to in- introduce a third spinner. But I think everything revolves around who bats at three and four for Australia. So if that's Smith and Mitchell Marsh or Smith and Manus or Manus and Smith, whichever combination we want to throw at it, uh, those guys have to put on a big score for Australia to be able to be explosive and set a target for New Zealand that they'll find difficult to chase. I think if Australia set 260, 270, depending on what the par score for that wicket looks like, I think New Zealand will feel quite comfortable chasing. They've got some tremendous batting at their disposal. And I think they've got the bowling attack that can really trouble the Australians. Mitchell Santner has been excellent. Australia struggle against spin at times. So it's Mm. going to be a terrific matchup. 
Um, how do you see the keys to victory for New Zealand, Raj? Yeah, look, I am actually a little bit nervous uh, going into this game because I feel like this game, the result from this, or maybe not the result, but the the manner in which the the loss or victory uh, is is scored by by New Zealand will be defining on on a little have have a defining sort of element for the rest of their tournament. We know that we always struggle uh, coming up against Australia and. I think that's more of a mental challenge. You know, back in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, Australia were beating people in the warm-ups. You know, you'd turn up and you'd look across and see who you're playing. And I think New Zealand still has an element of that where we look across and we're like, okay, those are pretty big names. That's the older brother there. You know, you look at Mitchell Stark, uh, Glenn Maxwell, David Warner, Steve Smith. These are massive, massive names uh, in the cricketing world. Sometimes we have that little bit of a... uh, imposter syndrome but I don't think that that's something that's something that is disappearing very very quickly uh but yeah I think this is an important important match for New Zealand and it is likely to have a defining sort of impact on the rest of their tournament because they've got four games left they've got Australia South Africa Pakistan and Sri Lanka and I think New Zealand have to win two of those uh two of those four to um to secure their spot, and it would be great if we could get the first one here uh, against Australia. From a team news perspective, Kane's still out with the with the knee complaint, uh, not knee, with the hand complaint. The knee is fine, uh, and I think we'll go in with an unchanged lineup. This pitch here is it Dharmasala, I think it is. Yes, has been so much, uh, has so far been uh, offering a lot of the, the, the pace bowlers. So I think that actually suits us a little bit, but it also suits the the Australians as well. So it'll be it'll be an interesting game for sure. Huge game, and the only thing I would say about that Durham Shala surface is that the outfield uh, is a little bit um, sandy. So let's hope that both sides get through um, without, again, touch wood, without any injuries or or anything like that in the outfield. It's it, it promises to be a very exciting game. Raj, do you have any other talking points that you wanted to cover before we before we wrap up the pod? I think tonight's game is is going to be super exciting, and I'm going to stay up late for a change and see if I can watch the whole thing. No, um, um, final comment just on that Pakistan South Africa game. What uh, what a good time to have an absolute nail biter, and hopefully we can have some more throughout the tournament. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And on that note, it's probably a good time to wrap up this episode of the Daily Wrap here at the Cricket World Cup 2023 uh, 50 over format for men. Uh, And I do like to extend the names of these uh, ICC tournaments for as long as I can. So thank you for bearing with Raj and I this morning as we recap this Insta Classic between South Africa and Pakistan and look ahead to tonight's game between Australia and New Zealand. I hope you're enjoying the World Cup coverage here on the Top Order podcast and the cricket as well. From Raj and I here in our Auckland studio, it is good morning. Uh, God bless. Take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll see you tomorrow morning to wrap up Australia, New Zealand here on the Top Order podcast.